Praise God. We, uh, we have over the last, uh, boy, it's been on several weeks now, have been ministering on, uh, you know, living in the life of God, and, uh, and we're going to do it again I, every week. I never know how far it's going to go. I'm always assuming when I come here that we're going to wrap it up and close her up, and then it seems like the next week comes around, here we go again, you know, and got some more to add to it. And, and so we're going to um, open our, our key verse, which is John 10, please. John 10, hallelujah. Did you come to receive? Yes. All right, praise God. When you come to receive, guess what? You get something. You actually get to go home with something, praise the Lord. All right, so John 10 and 10, a common, common text. Uh, of course, there's a lot being said in this text, uh, but the bottom line, it kind of sums up some things about uh, how good God is and how bad the enemy is, you know what I mean? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what he does. And uh, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life, uh, zoe life, that word means. It's, uh, uh, the word zoe means absolute life or uh, pure life. And it's, so it means it's absent of darkness, absent of death, absent of the curse. So the life he's talking about is a life that's free from all that mess, okay? So I've come that you may have life, zoe life, and that they may have it more abundantly. I mean, over the top, overflowing, praise God. Amen. Let's look at a couple other translations here. Maybe the message, I believe it is. It says, I came so they could have, I love this, real and eternal life. Amen. Uh, the real life, the real deal, praise God. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Amen. Of course, again, every time I see the word eternal life, got to kind of expand, on, you know, expound on it a little bit. Uh, you know, eternal life started when you made Jesus Lord of your life. It don't start when you get to heaven. It started here. Amen. Because Jesus defined it. He said eternal life is this. It's knowing the only true God and the one in whom he sent. That's what eternal life is. So when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and accepted him as Lord, praise God, that's when this thing called perpetual or eternal or everlasting life begins, praise God, right then. Well, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think, well, someday in the sweet by and by when I get to heaven, it'll all be better, which it will be better, no denying that. But a lot of times what happens is we push off this Zoe life, this life that we're called to because we you know, are under the impression or under the, uh, you know, the understanding that one day it'll all be when we get to heaven. But he's trying to let you know that you can have that eternal life right now, start right now. You can tap that Zoe life right here and right now, praise God. That's why he said in the model prayer you know, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven, that's what he was talking about. Days like heaven on earth, it says in Deuteronomy. Amen. So let's see, um, amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. How many know the devil's always bad? Always bad. God's always good? All the time, right? Devil's always bad. I mean, I just, you could just right there, just settle that. Amen. Because, uh, you know, the scriptures are pretty clear that sometimes, uh, you know, we, we get to the place where we call what's good bad and what's bad good. Come on. The devil's always bad. God's always good. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from, the, uh, from above, comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He's always good. Amen. A lot of people get that mixed up. Well, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have and enjoy life and have it. In abundance, to the full, till it overflows. Praise the Lord. Sounds like something you need right there. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, we need to enjoy this life. Praise God. Amen. All right, so with that said, we've been, uh, you know, uh, through the course of this series, uh, talking everything about, you know, how about resisting our enemy and about receiving what's yours. And, and we have, uh, in the last uh, several weeks here, been talking about one of the ways to tap that, that Zoe life, that life of God, Amen, is by making sure you keep your mind set on things above. If your mind's down here all the time, guess what? You, you miss out on things. But when you get your mind set up on things above, pretty soon what happens, you tap that realm of possibility, praise God. Amen. Down here is nothing but limits. Up there, we got all things possible. Are you still with me? So with that said, let's go to Romans chapter 8, praise God, because I love Romans 8. Let's look at this. For those who live, or that word there is zoe, okay, so it's conducting life, living life, uh, actions, all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's how you live your life from day to day. For those who live according to the flesh, 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, you know, the implication is they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, the idea is, and what's being said, is that you never live beyond your most predominant thoughts. If your, your mind's always set on things according to the natural realm, the flesh, that's what it's referring to as the natural realm, talking about out of your own human abilities and own human nature, all that kind of stuff, that's what it's referring to. Uh, it says that when you set your mind on that, that's where you live. But if you set your mind on things of the Spirit, amen, like he says in Colossians, you set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth, amen. So how, what happens then? Well, then, then uh, we live according to the Spirit, amen. Now, uh, the Spirit is really referring to, you know, His ability, His strength versus your ability and your strength, right? See, sometimes we read the word flesh here and we instantly go to something immoral, okay? Well, it, it can lead to immorality. There's no doubt about it, okay? Uh, but it, it's not where it starts, see? Pretty soon it's all about your strength, your ability, how you can fix it, how you can uh, take care of a need or how you can, uh, you know, uh, do this or eliminate that or take care of this, whatever. And pretty soon what happened, now you're living down here and that's when we start crossing lines. Because now we're living out of our own strength, our own ability, and we, we end up in trouble most of the time. And, uh, but if we would put our minds on things above, live by the Spirit. Remember, it's not by your might, not by your power, but by His Spirit, right? See, it's by His strength. Amen. And so if we will lean on Him, then we can live in that place, that realm of possibility. Praise the Lord. Are you still with me? Yes. All right, so let's, let's read the rest of this. Verse 6, praise God. For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded or naturally minded is death. That's where it leads to. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's that zoe life again right there. And the word peace, irene, uh, I believe is how it's pronounced in the, in the Greek. Uh, the Hebrew word for that word is shalom, peace. So wholeness, completeness. Everything working, hallelujah, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's what that word means. Praise God. Everything in divine order. So life and peace come, amen, by being spiritually minded. In other words, setting your mind on things above puts you on a road toward life and peace. Set your mind on things beneath, what happens? It goes toward ruin. Now, come on now. If you stop long enough and, and think about, you know, what's happened in our lives over the years, the times that we were on the right road, amen, is because we had our minds set on things that were right. We end up in ruin and destruction is because we had our mind down here trying to fix everything ourselves. Like what's the old phrase? Somebody said, well, I got myself into this mess. I'll get myself out. I can never figure that out. That's ignorance gone to seed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because you think, you know, you're the one that got yourself in that mess. So why would you? Uh... Well, anyway, moving right along, praise God. Verse 7, let's read that. Amen. These are all verses that we've used already, but we're just going to kind of a little quick review. Because the carnal mind is enmity, or it fights against God. It wars against God. For it is not subject to the law or the principles of God, nor indeed can be. And those are some things we talked about last week. Amen. So, that, you know, when, you, when your mind is down here, God's trying, to, God's trying to do something in your life. He's trying to show you something, trying to reveal something, trying to show himself strong. But you're down here trying to fix everything yourself. So what happens is God can't even work with you because you're down here. So it starts explaining why the life of God's not manifesting in our lives. Now, I'm going to say this real quick. I think I need to toss this out here. You know, you get a little bit further down on in this chapter, uh, chapter 8, and it talks about that nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's good news, isn't it? Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I don't know, man, God loves you, I guess. Yeah, God loves you, Rick. God loves me. I think, if, I think I'm his favorite, but anyway. But anyway, you know, any other favorites in the house today? All right, praise the Lord. Now, the point being is this, you know, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, but the scriptures are pretty clear that something can separate you from the life of God. That even though God's, you know, his love will never stop concerning you. But the life of God is dependent on you setting your mind on things above. Amen. Paul said in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he said this. He said that if you keep your, if your mind, if you think like the rest of the world thinks, he says then you become alienated from the life of God. And the word alienated just means a non-participant. You become a non-participant of what's already laid out there for you. 
the whole time. It's readily available. It's there. But we don't become a participant of it because we're going to think like everybody else out in the world does. And that's why we have a lot of Christians uh, still living no different than the world. Now, you got fire insurance. You're not going to hell, praise the Lord. You're going to heaven one day. That's a great thing. That's a good thing. But the problem is, you know, uh, we need to be tapping this life that we're called to right here on planet Earth. There's things that are available for you or me. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, we've been, uh, you know, over the last uh, uh, several weeks, been kind of hammering all all this. And and, uh, I want to do something, kind of shift gears a little bit here. And uh, we're going to go to another common text to start this. And we're going to go to Jeremiah 29, please. Jeremiah 29. So, kind of a common text. Now, as I said, you know, a few minutes back that nobody lives beyond their most predominant thoughts. Nobody does. We all live according to our most predominant thoughts. Because thoughts, you know, let's just maybe kind of do it like a, kind of like a, maybe a timeline thing or some kind of thing here. You know, you got thoughts, you, you set your mind a certain way, whether it's higher thoughts or whether you're down here thinking natural all the time, uh, you know, it leads then to words and actions. So what you think about determines things. That's why, you know, a lot of times attitudes come out of that. I know none of you ever have an attitude, but some people do. Well, how did well, how, how that attitude come? Well, you sat here and you've been meditating on something. So you sit on something long enough, pretty soon you have an attitude. Negativity comes out of, an, out of thinking. Joy and, and happiness and all. Happiness, by the way, the word happy just means a, uh, based on a happening. Come on. So, you know, good things happen and you're happy. Bad things happen, you're not happy. Right? But according to this word, you don't have to think about all the junk. Just think about the good because there's always something good to meditate on. Now, why is that so important? Because it leads to words and actions. And words and actions is what begins to produce some things. Come on. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, for instance. Come on. So it begins to produce something. You start meditating on the junk. Pretty soon you're talking the junk. And guess what? It just keeps on going. So what happened? You got on a road. What road? Death, ruin, destruction, all because you set your mind on the wrong thing. Somebody said, well, Pastor, there's a lot of things. No, listen, we're not denying the existence of things that go on around us. We're not denying that you might have your back against a wall right now. We're not denying that you might have some issues to deal with at home. We're not denying there may be a financial pressure going on. or There may be health issues happening. We're not denying any of that. But we're trying to change that. And you ain't going to change that by meditating on the junk. All you do is make it worse. So it leads toward words and actions, which leads then, after too too much longer, pretty soon it leads to a lifestyle. Which then leads to a thing called results, an outcome, an effect. Come on. And this is the part everybody wants changed. I don't like my outcome. I don't like my... Uh, the effect, I, I'm in the midst. I don't like the results I'm dealing with right now. I don't like this. I want this changed. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle. God, change it. God says, okay, then I need to take you back over here. And we need to change right here. Well, I don't want to change right there. I want to keep thinking what I want to think about. I want to say what I want to say. I want to do what I want to do. I want to live the way I want to live. But change it, God. Most people, that's where they're at. This is where they want. Change it, God. Just change it. See, most people want relief. They don't want results. Just give me relief. You know, they don't want answers. You know, they just want something to point their finger at and blame. Come on. Come on. But we, 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 want, we want results. We want answers. We want a solution. So when we say, Lord, change this, God says, okay, great. I need to take you back here. I need you to get your mind set on something else. Why? Because uh, let's go back to uh, verse 7 of Romans 8. Put that up on the board real quick. Thank you, Kelly. Praise God. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. 
Why? Because, because your mind is going in the wrong direction. God can't even work with it. So he's got to get you start to think about other things, get your mind stayed on things above. Why? So now you can tap the realm of possibility where now you've given God room to move. I didn't write the book. See, the, the carnal mind, there's a mind that's always locked down here, is enmity against God. It fights against God. And then it's not even subject now to the principles of God. God set up principles and they work a certain way. So he says, all right, you want this changed? Listen, I want different results. I want a different outcome. Great. No problem. Let's do that. It don't even take that long if you just work with him. How do you do that? Well, first it starts over here. Start putting your mind on things above. Well, pastor, it ain't very good. there's nothing good going on in my life. Are you saved? If you're not, let's get her done. But if you're saved, you at least got something to rejoice about. He says, if anything, set your mind on things above in the sense of, you know, those things that are noble and just and lovely and perfect, things of good report, things of praiseworthy. Those are the things you meditate on. Those are things Because there's always something you can set your mind on that's better than the junk. Because the junk... Get y'all mad, get y'all depressed, get y'all sad, get y'all upset. Pretty soon you're talking stuff you shouldn't be talking. And now it's producing after its own kind. It just keeps on going. And now it just is how we're living and conducting and living life. You know, like we're in the boat back and forth. Oh, my God. And it has this lifestyle or this ending result that we all hate. We can't stand it. I don't like it. There ain't nothing about this I enjoy or like. God says, can't work with that. So, well, he's God. Yeah, he's got a principle. He says, if you want me to work with this, we got to go back here. And we need to get your mind stayed on things above. If we can get your mind up here, now you're giving me a place to work. You're giving me something to work with now. And it won't take long. It's not complicated. It's actually a simple principle. You know, Trudy talked about just learning how to just stop and praise God once in a while. What is that? What are you doing? You're setting your mind on things above. God is good. You might be first start, oh, God, everything's so Oh, I can't stand what's going on. I was like, praise the Lord. What are you doing? You're starting to, praise the Lord. God's good. Hallelujah. You're good. Thank you, Lord, for what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Thank you for, hallelujah, for the blood of Jesus. Thank you. What are you doing? You're starting to, you just take it right up here. Now, God's okay, we can do something with that. Now, I didn't set up the principle. I just teach it. Come on, right? I didn't set it up. It's how he set it up. So he just says, listen, if I can just get you, get your head up, up, up here, you can tap a realm of possibility. Otherwise, you're down here all day hanging out with a realm of, of limits. It's just a realm of limits. Everything on planet Earth is, is about limits. You get up here, it's all things possible, limits. All things possible, limits. Nothing too hard, limits. Whew. Now, let's go back to Jeremiah. Verse 11. Are you with me? All right, now, here we go. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Everybody say, God's good. good. That has never changed. It's never changed. God's always been good. Now, God got the blame for a lot of things, but uh, God's always been good. Come on. I said, God's always been good. He said, my thoughts are thoughts of peace. I mean, there's that word shalom. Okay, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything in fine work and order. It literally means to bring back at one. In other words, bring things back to divine order. When the peace of God shows up, that's what we want. So he said his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of God's thoughts towards you are never of evil. Somebody says, well, no, I think God's mad at me. No, he never has been. Never has been. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure. No, he never has been. Now, you've been mad with you, 
and you've been had, have had other people mad at you, and you've been mad at other people, but God's never been mad with you. He never has been. No, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you knew my past, God was mad. God's never been mad. His thoughts have never been of evil. You look up the word evil, okay? It's everything you can think of that's evil. Everything you can think of under the sun that's evil, it's wrapped up in that word. So God's thoughts have never been of evil. Now, his thoughts have been of peace and not of evil to what? Give you what? A future. God's always trying to move you toward what you are called to, who you are, what you have, amen, all your promises, all the things. God's always pointing you toward your future. Now, the problem is we don't tap into his thoughts if we're down here. But when we come up here, we start tapping his thoughts and find out, wait a minute, I have a future and I have a hope. That word means expectation of good things, an expected end, something good, amen. The more you put your mind up here, the more you expect something good's going to happen. With me? Now, we have to know who he's talking to here. He's talking to the uh, children of God. This, is a le- this really actually is a word of the Lord through the prophet of God uh, to the children of God who had been taken captive by Babylon. Okay, they have been in they have been in captivity for nearly 70 years at this point. Okay, now he's told trying to tell him, listen, my thoughts towards you are of peace, not of evil. Now, why would he have to tell him that? Why would I have to tell you God's thoughts are of peace and not of evil? Because you're thinking Maybe God is thinking down on me, or maybe his thoughts toward me are evil. Maybe God's trying to, you know, thump me to teach me a lesson. Maybe that's it. He says, listen, my thoughts are not that. They, they ended up in exile because of their own choices and decisions. But he says, listen, my thoughts towards you have never been of evil. It's been of peace. Now, why are we going here today? Because people who are in captivity, no matter what it is, have a tendency to think captivity. He's trying to say, listen, I need you to start thinking a little bit clearer thoughts about who your God is here. All right? I think up here. Come up here and know my thoughts. As we brought out last last week out of Isaiah, you know, as as the rain and snow come down and waters the earth, and forces that ground into production, he said, so shall my word be. In other words, if you will hook up up here, you're going to find my thoughts. You're going to find my words. And what you're going to find that what happens is that comes down and it begins to land in your heart, in your life, and it forces your life into production. So my thoughts are thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Here we go. We got to start believing more in your God-given future than your past. You got to believe more in God's ability to move you forward than the enemy's ability to hold you back. You got to believe more in God's ability to complete you than the enemy's ability to hold you back. Are you still with me? Or destroy you, I should say. Uh, you got to believe more in God's words about you than what the enemy says about you. Or anybody else for that matter. Still with me? Now, why all this? Well, because until I, we can get you kind of thinking up here, you're always going to believe something else. And if you always believe in something else, then your words, because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Come on. So what happens is this is your most predominant thoughts you take in. Now you start talking it. We talk it. We act it. Attitudes. Come on, everything comes out of that. And if that keeps on going, pretty soon it produces something, a lifestyle, which ends in results we don't like. You can be on the road of death or the road of life and peace. What do you want? I'd rather have life and peace any day. 
So, again, it comes back to here. So he's trying to say, listen, I understand you're in captivity. Now, let's think about this for just a minute, okay? Uh, it's worthy of thinking about. Seventy years of captivity, which means, okay, now this letter is to everybody, to all, the, to all of them, okay? Seventy years means this, okay? Now, for the most part, you know, there's probably a group of people maybe in there that, you know, they, they were there when they were brought into captivity, you know, 70 years down the road. You know, they may be, you know, they may be 80 years old now. They may be 90 years old now, whatever. But most of them probably had raised some form of their family in the midst of captivity. Are you with me? So there's some in this group that have never known anything but captivity. So there's a way of thinking then because, because as you're around it and if you're living it and experiencing it every day, that's all you know to think. Every day you think about how you're held under by this or by held under by that. Now remember, all of this the scripture says in 1 Corinthians that, that everything that happened to all the children of Israel was all types and shadows for you to learn from. They're examples to you to learn from. So we learn from them, hopefully, Whatever they did wrong, we're going to do right. But at least we know one thing, that this is how it works. Okay? So they're all thinking captivity. He says, listen, I'm trying to pull you up. I'm not the one that pulls you in captivity. I'm not the one that does evil to you. I'm not the one that puts you here. I'm not the one doing this stuff. I'm trying to pull you up to my way of thinking. Are you still with me? Well, let's look at another individual. Go to Judges 6, please. Judges 6. Judges 6. Are you doing good or am I boring you today? That was kind of weak. Am I boring you? I don't want to bore you. Now, listen. These are the principles. It's just a principle of God that works. All right? Now, here we go. Uh, Judges 6. Verse 11, please, says this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was in, in Ophrah, okay, which uh, belonged to Joash, okay, uh, Ebezerite. I don't know if I pronounced it totally right, and I don't know why I'm reading this first. But anyway, while his son Gideon, here we go, threshed wheat in the wine press, why? In order to hide it from who? The Midianites. Okay, now how many know you don't usually thresh wheat in a wine press? But you're doing it while he's hiding because they're under oppression from the Midianites, okay? So in order to have any kind of harvest, any kind of crop, they sneak around and they're now hidden inside a wine press threshing wheat just so they can get some harvest. Otherwise, you know, the enemy sees you out there harvesting some things and here he comes, back over, it comes the enemy over the hill again and takes everything they have. So it's a way of thinking, got it? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He's hiding. But according to the Lord, he's a mighty man of valor. See, according to the Lord, you're more than a conqueror. According to the Lord, you're a world overcomer. According to the Lord, you're a new creation in Christ. According to the Lord, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're blessed. There's all kinds of, of things that the Scripture says that, that God, how God views you. See, God viewed Gideon as a mighty man of valor. Now, in the natural, he didn't look like no mighty man of valor. He, didn't, he wasn't thinking he was a mighty man of valor, and he sure as heck wasn't acting like a mighty man of valor. But according to God, he was a mighty man of valor. Now listen, here we go. Whoop, turned on me. So, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, <laughs> if the Lord is with us. Whoa, 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 what, what? What's happening here? Well, because of the way he's thinking here. Lord, if, if, if God's been with us, okay, then why has all these things happened? Has anybody ever thought those things? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord didn't deliver you in the hands of the Midianites. It was your own choices and decisions that put you there. And he makes that pretty clear through the scriptures. Now, the bottom line is what happens is 
we're finding out how he's thinking. Why? Because he's, he's in captivity. He's, he's under oppression. He's, he's got an enemy that's been breathing down, down his neck for years. And so what happens is that's how he thinks. So the first thing he goes, he's over here with his mind down here thinking about, you know, where's God? How come God ain't doing anything? Why doesn't God ever help us? Well, I thought God did miracles. I thought God did this. He delivered the people out of Egypt. How come he won't deliver us? I just don't understand why God, listen, whoa, whoa, breaks, hold it. God can't do anything with that mess. So now you're acting like a defeated foe, a defeated person. Come on. And you got a lifestyle now because, you know, who knows how long he's been acting this way. And he's got results he don't like. Come on. He can't stand what's going on right now. And you might be in the same boat saying, I can't stand my results. I don't like my life. I, you, know, I, I, you know, but this is the way it is. Well, we got to change that. Okay? So he's calling him a mighty man of valor. Well, he doesn't feel like he's a mighty man of valor. And I appreciate the fact that he didn't stop. He said, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So you'd think he'd say, woohoo, okay. But how do we know he didn't do that? So here we go again. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, how many know that Gideon became a mighty man of valor? How many know he went down in history as a mighty man of valor? Now, it took a little convincing, but pretty soon he got it. Now, when he did, it started working. Now, the point is this, okay? The way of thinking that he had was based on the fact that he's been in captivity for so many years. Been in, in oppression for so many years. Now, the, the earlier we were talking about, you know, those from Babylon. They were in Babylon. This group here, they're in their own homes, but they're still under oppression of the Midianites. So pretty soon, because we just, this is where we hang out. This is where we lock onto, and then all of our conversation is around that. Listen, I, I know brothers and sisters in Christ, they got the greater one on the inside. They got the Holy Ghost. They got the Word of God. They got, man, the, the, you know, they got all of heaven's resources at their disposal, and they're still all they can talk about how it never works. Come on. Or where's God when you need him? Or how come this? Or how come that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Come up here. Put your attention up here. Well, you just don't understand, preacher. You just don't understand what we go through. Totally get it. I know what you're going through. Totally understand. But there's one way out of it. Here. Oh, that's just way too much. Do you really think that's too much to ask? To just put your attention on something else? I mean, aren't you tired of the depression? Aren't you tired of the anger? Aren't you tired of the bad attitude? Aren't you tired of all that mess? Aren't you tired of the, the, the ugly results being on the, the road of ruin? Aren't you tired of it? I'm asking a question. Aren't you tired of it? Yeah. Thank you. Well, then what we only ask is this. Put your attention up here. Well, I don't feel like an overcomer. You don't have to feel like one. For it to be true, Gideon looked anything but a mighty man of valor. Not even close. And he was so quick to say, I'm just a wimp. I'm the wimpiest of the wimpiest tribe. So I must be the wimpiest of them all. What a thing to, what a thing to admit. Nobody talks that way unless they've been thinking on it in a while. I'm just a nobody. You know, come on. Well, you just don't understand. It's, it's no, 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 no. That's, that's just where you're locked on your attention. You're sitting down here looking at natural things, and so you just keep doing it, and you, and you start reliving it, and reliving it, and reliving it, and reliving it, and reliving it in your own head, and pretty soon, that's to you, that's, that's the life now. And some of you are going, I just can't wait. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Take me away. You know, Calgon, take me away. You know, I mean... It's, it's like, no, 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 man, you don't, you don't need God to come get you to take you away for the life to be better. Just, just hook up to his thoughts, hook up to his ways, hook up to his word, hook up to what he thinks. Come on. 
And if he says you're an overcomer, then you're an overcomer. If he says you're more than a conqueror, then you're more than a conqueror. If he says you're redeemed, you're redeemed. If he says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Well, I don't feel forgiven. Well, it's a good thing we don't go by how you feel. Because if we go by how we feel, then we're in trouble. We're all in trouble. Because we all have a moment once in a while where the day just didn't feel so good. Right? So you got you to right here, you got to say, okay, uh, no matter what's going on, I lock my attention on you. I meditate on that which is good, noble, just, lovely, perfect, of good report, anything praiseworthy. I meditate on those things. What happens? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding comes on the scene. What just happened? You tapped the realm of possibility. Now all of a sudden he's got room to move. This man went down in history as a mighty man of valor. He even gets listed in the hall of faith. Come on, somebody. In the book of Hebrews. The weeniest of the weenies. Right? Threshing wheat in a wine press, hiding from the enemy. And he goes down in history as a mighty man of valor, all because he finally hooked up to his way of thinking, God's way of thinking, and said, okay, all right then. Then let's do it. And he went on and did it and became a great leader, a great man of God. Amen. Still with me? Okay, let's look at another group. Let's go to Numbers 13. Let's look at another one. Remember, these are all examples to you and me. Well, Pastor, you know, man, I just don't understand what all I got going on. Listen, I, listen, I understand there might be something happening. There might, you might have got something going on in your marriage, something going on with your family, something going on with your finances, something going on with your health. Listen, you sitting here meditating on how bad your life is. I ain't helping your life. It just makes it worse. So, you mean I just put my mind on Something good? Well, that helps. That's a good start. But the more you meditate on Him and who He is and what He's done and who He's made you to be, and you start attaching yourself to your own identity, who He's made you to be, little by little, all of a sudden, your words change, your actions change, your attitude changes, lifestyle begins to change. Results, outcome, changes. Well, I just want this to change. Well, even if God did a miracle for you and changed that, which he has done this. I'm not saying he hasn't done that. But in about a, about a month, it's going to be back to where it was. The reason it is because you haven't changed what needs to be changed. So you got to change this to change this. So you can change this so you get the results you want. Now, it doesn't have to take long. Some of you are probably thinking, well, this could take years. Well, you ought to maintain it for years. But it doesn't take long to shift and change things in your life if you just get your, get your, your mindset on the right things. Just set your mind up here. Okay, let's look at another group. Okay. <clears throat> you still with me? All right, you, you've been a good group. Maybe you're just all tired from Friday night. Okay, but you're all doing good. Okay, now what happened? This is, uh, this is uh, they've already been delivered out of Egypt. And uh, the, uh, now, uh, so uh, Moses has been instructed by the Lord to send in uh, one, one leader from each tribe uh, to go basically spy out the land. Basically just get the, you know, the lay of the land, what's going on, then bring back word to everybody. So they were gone for 40 days to go do this, and, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, everybody knows Caleb and Joshua, because they, you know, they, they got their head where it belonged, but most people don't know uh, Shamu, Shaphat, Ilgal, uh, Polte, Galdeal, Gadi, Emil, Sethur, Haba, and Gul. Well, who are these guys? They're dead. They became fertilizer. Now, the reason being is because when they came back, even though they told everything, the lay of the land, everything was good, just like God said. In fact, let's read it here. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days, verse 26. 
Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Okay, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation. We're talking about uh, literally, there's, there, there's all kinds of word, but pretty much there's millions of folks here that came out of Egypt. Okay, just hundreds of thousands in each tribe. Okay, so they come back. Now remember, one leader picked from each tribe, one man. So this isn't just some normal, you know, average Joe here. Now, if your name's Joe, I apologize. No, but it's just, there ain't, ain't no just average person. This is a leader, somebody that they all look up to and respect and say, he'll represent us, right? So there they all go. They all come back now with word, all right? They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Hallelujah. Verse 27. Hallelujah. Then they... Uh, Let's see, verse 27, and they told him, right, mind the right one here, and, and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey. In other words, it's just like you said it was. Amen. Just like God said it was. How many know that? God, God didn't lie. Right? So it's just like you said, and here's its fruit. And they're showing them all the stuff they brought back. Woo, look at this. But then it shifted. Nevertheless. The people who dwell in the land are strong. That word actually means harsh or fierce. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Talking about the uh, large giants, you know, big, they're big folks. Amen. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and a whole bunch of otherites. Come on. So they dwell in the mountains of Canaanites by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. Why did Caleb have to quiet the people? Well, because they're all getting worked up. So Caleb's one of the leaders, comes back. So the 12 men that went, okay, we find out, of course, you know, basically it was the 10 of the 12 are under the persuasion there's no way we can do this. The two, Joshua and Caleb, say, no, if God said we can do it, we can do it. But that's why the only two of the 12 that actually got to see the promised land was Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 never did because the word says they brought back an evil report. Now, they said that it was just like he said. So it wasn't an evil report about how good the land was or it wasn't that they disagreed with what God said about the land or how good it was and all that kind of stuff. But what happened was captivity thinking, bondage thinking. Remember, this generation here, they're the ones that came out of Egypt. They were under the bondage and the tyranny of, of Egypt for 430 years. So the, all of them knew nothing but captivity. That's why every time something didn't go the way they wanted, they say, yeah, we'd be better off back in Egypt. I'm like, what? I say, what? Well, it's because that's where they think. Well, you know, at least there, you know, we had, it was so good. What? Why do you keep going back to Egypt? And so what's a phrase that one guy said this way? He says, yeah, God got them out of Egypt, just couldn't get Egypt out of them. Because a way of thinking. Because that's all they knew was captivity. All they knew was bondage. So every time something didn't quite shift right, they're right back out. <gasps> and what happened was they began to say, you know, this is going to be too hard. What, what are they thinking? See, all they're thinking is we're going to get killed. Well, our kids are going to get killed. Our, our families are going to be destroyed. They're, they're thinking, you know, listen, 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 no different than we would. Some people pull back from the things of God because, well, you know, our families and our, you know, we got things and we got, whoa, 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 whoa. Be cautious because you don't want to cruise around the wilderness for 40 years. Nobody wants that. And the word's real clear. The only reason they were in the wilderness 40 years is because the 40 years that they, or 40 days that they went spied out the land. So for 40 years, then they ended up cruising around the wilderness and the next generation goes in. Now, look at this. The next generation goes in and gets to experience the promised land. That's what it's referred to. The first generation could have 
experience the promised land. But the word says, because of an evil report, what happened was it spread throughout the congregation. It spread. And they all started getting worked up. Oh, my God, what are we doing out here then? Oh, my God, why did God bring us out here? What's the problem? Oh, come on. Let's kill Moses. I've been there. Let's kill the pastor. What I do? Stone him. <laughs> He's thinking, you know, got you out of Egypt. Nobody came out even feeble. You came out with all the stuff, all the goods. I mean, everything. I mean, they cleaned house. They came out with everything. All the back wages for 400 years they came out with. Everything you can think of. They get to a sea that looks like they're, they're going to be, you know, the enemy's coming in on the backside. They're here. They're thinking they're going to die. God opens up a sea, lets them through. Closes the sea in on the enemy. Water from a rock. Rains down manna. Enough to eat. Quail every day runs through the camp. Every need met. God says, okay, we're going over there. Go spy out the land, bring back, let the people know what it's like. We'll get the game, the plan of attack. Here's how we're going to do this. But they come back, and the problem was they didn't agree in everything. Joshua and Caleb said, whoa, 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 breaks. Hold it. God said we could do this. God says we are able. God says he's with us. God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. God is still with us. A fire, a cloud of fire, pardon me, a cloud of smoke by, by day and a pillar of fire by night. I mean, we're, God is every time showing he's with us. We can do this. Nope. Yeah, let's read the rest. I'm not trying to depress you. But, you know, I was thinking about this as I was meditating on this the last couple days. You know, now we can relate. Because it ain't no different for you and me. God's made all kinds of promises, and we won't tap those promises because we're too busy thinking that you know, we're down here thinking, you know, God has turned his back on us. God has forsaken us. God has brought us out to a land that we're going to, wait, wait, wait. Oh, God brought you here. God will take you there. Right? Okay, let's look at this. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses, verse 30, and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. The men who had gone up with him said, We are not able. To go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They gave the, they and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, "The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature." Everybody's, you know, they've all been working out. They all have big muscles. They're all big. There's not a Pee Wee Herman in the bunch. They're all, well, see, that's, that's something. It's amazing how, isn't that true, how you can get so caught up in something and it looks so huge when it really ain't, all because you're going to just stay right here. And so you hang out right here, so that's what you talk about. That's how you act. You act like you're defeated. You talk like you're defeated. You talk like you can't be, you can't do, you can't. Instead of saying all things are possible, praise God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. What are you doing? Set your mind on things above so I can give God place to move, praise God. Because otherwise, right now I'm fighting with God down here saying it can never be, I can't do it, I can't be, whatever. And so you don't go anywhere. And it just, it just perpetuates. You know how Zoe life perpetuates everlasting well, this miserable life can perpetuate. 
It just keeps on going when you keep talking it, you keep thinking it, you keep acting it. It just keeps on going. So I never get a break. My life just stinks every day about my life. It just stinks. Well, nothing ever works out for me. Just my old rotten stinking luck. Yes, about the time I think something good's going to be. Oh, there it goes again. Well, Pastor, you're just picking on us. I'm not picking on you. I know how this works. And you want to change it. You don't want it to perpetuate. Am I saying that word right? <laughs> okay. I don't want it to continue. So you're going to have to say, wait a minute. Okay, even though this is going on, I'm surrounded right now by things that try to limit me, that try to take, you know, the life that God has given me. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. Now, what do you want? I want life. All right, then look up here. But I got all this. Ah! But this is all fuck. See, listen, that's not, that's not scriptural. Cast every thought, amen, right? Take every thought captive. If you don't take every thought captive, it'll take you captive. Cast down. Whoa, what? Vain imaginations. Whoa, reasonings. Whoa, everything that tries to exalt itself above, against the knowledge of God. Whoa. Because if you don't do it, it'll take you captive. And then pretty soon, that's what you talk, that's what you think, that's how you act. And they say, yeah, that's just my life. It just stinketh. And this is the result. Oh, I can't stand. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Take me out of here. God says, you don't have to put up with that. Oh, no, that's just that's the way it is. You know, Grandma taught it, and we all bought it. You know, you know praise the Lord for Grandma, but Grandma... Up here, honey. Right up here. All right, come on. Put it up here. Uh, you know, you just don't know what I've been through. Listen, listen, okay. I don't care if it's the, if it's the, uh, the Babylonians, if it's the, uh, the Hittites, the Jebusites, uh, the Midianites. I don't care what kind of ites has been messing with you. Hanging down here, dealing with it down here on this level. They just keep taking. They just keep taking. And they keep taking. And they keep taking. You're a mighty man of valor. Oh, no. Whoa, breaks, dude. You don't even know who you're talking to. No, you're a mighty man of valor. No, now wait a minute. Can't you see what I'm going through? You're a mighty man of valor. No, no, no. I've never been able to do anything valorous ever, ever, ever. No, you're a mighty man of valor. No, if you only knew. The family I came from. You're a mighty man of God. No, gosh, no. Do you know where I work? If you're a mighty man of God, oh, if you only knew the health issues I got. Oh, if you only knew what I have to deal with. Up here. Well, pastor, that's like you're being hard. No, I'm being really easy on you today. Really. Just right here. Listen, this, this, it works the same way for all of us. If Pastor Jerry comes down and goes, people, nobody helped. Nobody does anything for me. And nobody's ever around and nobody supports it. <sighs> I hate ministry. People are, oh, hate people. <sighs> people. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's like you down here, uh, people stink, things are bad, ministry is just miserable. It's like, oh gosh, and then you get over here and you go, I don't know why nobody comes to my church. <laughs> uh, well, I got a guess. Right? So you got to go over here, you go, up here. They're coming out. Praise God, they're workers. They're, they help. They support. They, they love God. They love people. They're moving forward. Hey, how? Move them out. We got results. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, 1,200 people show up. Hey, what are we? Hey, get over here. Hey, move them out. Hey, 
keep going. Hey. I said, you are so weird. But listen, up here. Somebody said, well, yeah, you got your head in the clouds, buddy. Better than that than under the pavement. Now, what happens here? Let's look at this. I didn't even get to it yet. So they gave the children of Israel a bad report, verse 32. Okay, verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak that came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were, or pardon me, let me see the end. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. There we go. And so we were in their sight. Well, how did you know? Did you go up and ask them? You're spies. Now, as far as I know, spies don't necessarily go around saying, listen, I just want you to know I'm a spy, not the land. I just want to know, what do you think about me? Do I impress you or intimidate you or not? He wouldn't be a very good spy, right? Ain't no James Bond I know, right? Come on. So I'm a grasshopper. Well, why? see, we were like grasshoppers in, it says it right there, in our, our own side. Now, listen, if I remember right, the next generation goes in there with no problem. God takes out Jericho. All they had to do was march around the city and then in the end shout the shout of victory and the walls came down. Now, of course, they had a little mishap there. They got that all squared away and they had 31 or 32 consecutive victories after that. Now, this is the next generation who went in there and actually believed what God said about what was theirs. So the only difference between the two generations is one believed what he said and set their attention on what he said, and one generation didn't. Now, Chris, listen, I, uh, best way I can say it is, is just do it this way, is that we're not denying the existence of what you're dealing with or what you're going through. We're not denying it. It's there. I mean, all you got to do is just look around. I mean, the curse is everywhere. Darkness is everywhere, Right? So God says, listen, you're not of the world, but you're in it, okay? And while you're in it, you're called to be the light, to be the salt, to be the difference maker. Now, the only way this is going to work is if you become different. Well, I got Jesus in my heart. Well, okay, then act like him. Okay, so the greater one's on the inside. I got the Word of God, amen, that's just living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. got the Spirit of God that's always right there, right? Okay, so he never leaves me nor forsakes me. If God's on my side, who could be against me? Whoa. What are you doing? Right up here. Well, you're just saying if I just put my mind up there, it'll all go away. No, I'm saying you'll start shifting things so eventually it will go away. Now, having your mind set on things above for 30 minutes is going to help. But you're going to have to do it more than 30 minutes. That's why it's very clear about taking, casting down those vain imaginations, those things that exalt itself above the knowledge of God, those thoughts that try to come, that try to take you captive. You've got to take authority over those thoughts and keep your mind stayed on things above. This has got to be a way of life. And if you begin to do that, it isn't long, and pretty soon your words change, your actions change, your attitudes change. Come on. And all of a sudden your lifestyle is now changing, and your results are changing because you got on a different road. You're now on the road of life and peace. So all of a sudden, life's different. Now, if the only time you're going to put your mind on things above is when you come to church, and even at that, it might even be a challenge because some of you might think, why is this guy like God? Doesn't he know what time it is? It's like lunchtime. And, and then they want us to unload trailers. And oh, my God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Up here. Get up here. Right up here. Hang out right here. 
well, it's not easy. No, it's just, it's just, you're just not used to it. That's all. Because sometimes it's just develop a new habit. Put your thought up here. And when you set your mind up here, pretty soon this all begins to do. Why? Because it's a principle. Pretty soon it all shifts and changes. And the next thing you know, you get better results. How many want better results? Yes. Amen. Well, it starts with putting your mind in the right place. Praise God. Now, I know that um, um, I, did I give you something out of uh, chapter 14 too? Did I? Okay. Uh, just We'll just wrap it up with this. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. Why? Because now they're all thinking the same thing. And the people wept that night. Now, does anybody, have you stopped to think? <clears throat> they just came out of Egypt. Crossed the Red Sea. Any given time, the word says that they could walk outside their tent and look. And out by the camp, edge of the camp there, the tent of meeting, there was the pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. Any day they walked out there, which was a symbol, you know, symbol the God never, he, he didn't pull up and leave. So God's right there. I mean, if you want to just if you kind of put it, you know, in that sense, you know, we just walk out and look. Obviously, he hasn't left. So, but they're all weeping because they got their minds where they shouldn't be. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Really? If, I mean, if you want to die in the land of Egypt, just die then. Well, Pat, no, no, no. I don't get that. I don't get that kind of philosophy. I don't get that kind of thinking. Well, you know, if I'd have been back there and died there, it'd be different than dying here. Is, is it just me thinking these things? I thought is, you know, if you're so, you know, if you, if you want to go back and die, why not move forward in God? And if you die, you die. And if we live, we live. When, but the point is, I just, it's just crazy how our thought gets. They go back to Egypt. If only we had died in the land of Egypt or if we had died in the wilderness. I thought they're in the wilderness. Uh, anyway. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, here we go, here it comes, that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let us select the leader and return to Egypt. Now, sometimes, you know, the children of Israel kind of get picked on in these situations, right? Because hindsight, we're all here, woo! children of God, we know Jesus, we're not them. I can't even believe how stupid they were, them children of Israel. Gosh, their way of thinking, my goodness. We have the same God. We even have more than they have based on the new covenant, and yet we find ourselves doing the same thing. And we think, you know, because of what we're up against, nobody understands. No, everybody has to deal with things. Everybody's got things they face. Maybe, maybe my battle ain't your battle, but maybe your battle ain't my battle. You know, that makes sense? You may not have to deal with what I have to deal with, and I may not have to deal with what you did, but regardless, we have things to deal with. Nothing new under the sun. It's the same enemy. He's always bad. God's always good. The enemy always comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God came to give you life and life more abundant. And so you just have to decide what you want. And the only, well, I shouldn't say the only, but the major difference is right here where we think, how we think. So all he's asking is this. Get rid of that captivity mind. Actually, Scripture calls it house of bondage thinking. House of bondage, because they're still thinking bondage. When you know you're free, you've been delivered. Oh no, no, we're we're we're, we're going to die. No, no, you've been delivered. No, we're going to die. No, you've been delivered. Uh, no, we're going to die. <sighs> but 
we get locked in that. So pretty soon we're in the same boat. We got this going on, the same thing. Maybe we got, we got things happening at home, things happening in our finance, things happening in our, our health, whatever it is. And we, we pretty soon, that's where we lock our attention. We just sink right there. And God says, listen, please come up here. Set your attention on higher things. Let me, let me do something here. Don't fight against me. Don't, don't, don't shut out the principle that should be working for you instead against you. Put your attention up here. Just start doing that. And when you start doing that, things start to shift. And when things start to shift, life gets a whole lot better. Did you get some today? Amen. Give the Lord a praise, everybody. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you all stand up? Let me pray over you. Hallelujah. Father, we give praise and glory today that you're our deliverer, that you're our provider, our healer, that you're our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. You're the one that forgives us, redeems us. You paid the price for us. You sent your only son to die for us. We receive what you've done. We receive who we are in you. We receive your promise. We receive your thoughts. We receive your way of thinking. We choose to set our mind on things above. Forgive us for the times that we did not do that we know you're faithful and you are just to forgive and we receive that and thank you for that. But it's our heart to do what's right here, to set our mind on that which is good and noble and just and lovely, perfect and of good report. Set our mind on your word. Set our mind on your thoughts. Set our mind on your principles, your statutes and all that you've laid out there, praise God. It's our heart to think of things of the Spirit Hallelujah. It's our heart, Lord God, to meditate on the higher things. And for that, we give you thanks. We purpose to set our mind on things above. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.